2 Kings chapter 5, open your Bible there, that's where we are tonight, we're preaching a long series, <coughs> excuse me, and it's divided up into several groups, and so we're calling it the, the mistakes of the mighty, and so we started way back there, and we started with King Saul, and he was mistake field and then we come to David and he was mistake field at a few spots in his life and we don't ever really think that about David we like to think David is just a little shepherd boy innocent never did anything wrong and that's not the way it was and then we moved on to Elijah and even though Elijah was a great man of God he also had times where he failed and so, we talked about him. Now we've moved to Elisha, who was Elijah's servant. And we've studied several things already that I hope has been a blessing to you about the life of, about the life of Elisha. Well, tonight, we're, we're going to see a little, um, um, a little different uh, person that's thrown into the cast tonight. He is, uh, um, she is, I'm sorry, someone that we have not studied about so far. And I want you to look there in chapter 5, verse number 1, and we're going to see an exciting thing. And I want you young people tonight especially to listen, all right? Boys and girls, you listen, okay? Young people, you listen. Young adults, you listen. I believe God has a word for you. Second Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. The text would really read this way. He was also a mighty man in valor, a leper. Sometimes the translators, if you'll see the words in italics, those words were added by the translators. But it seems like no matter where you mention Naaman's name, everybody knew him, but no one wanted to be around him. He had that incurable disease called leprosy. Leprosy, by the way, they tell us, is making a new outburst. More, more has been reported in the last couple of years than the last 50 years. We're told about leprosy as it is on the rise. When Jesus wanted to teach the disciples a lesson, what did he do? He took a little child up into his arms, right? And he used that. And when he fed the 5,000, how did he teach his lesson? A lad. Just a lad. Just a little boy. Five fishes, five, five loaves and two fishes. And he used him. Somebody said this, if God wants to do something great in the world... He will always send a baby to do it. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. In fact, there's a, a certain truth about that. 
because that person that God has birthed into this world and breathed into him breath of life, uh, God's going to uh, use him. He's going to make sure the right people are in his life, and he's going to make sure that he has, a, he has an opportunity to serve Jesus Christ. Young people, I'll tell you, young adults, you have an opportunity to serve God in your life if you don't miss it. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. Saul had done about everything. He'd kill, he'd kill Christians. We don't know how many he killed, but he had, uh, he had them killed and he killed them himself. So he was a murderer. And, and David was a murderer. And so these great people, they had problems. Well, here's Naaman, a Syrian king, not Israel. And I want you to notice he had this thing called leprosy. This is why winning children to Jesus Christ is so important. And there are some folks who want to give you a hard time about leading some boy or girl to Christ. And I will admit, you can mislead them to Christ. You can mislead them, manipulate them, but you can ask any of our vacation Bible school workers, I tell them on that day, we will be thorough. We will be clear. And the Holy Ghost of God will draw those boys and girls to Jesus. Now, I'm sure that God's drawing one and another's just following him. I understand that, or her, whatever the case might be. But I think it was about uh, two years ago now, I think we baptized about 25% of what was saved in Vacation Bible School. That's a tremendous number. Tremendous number. Jesus only had one out of four, and he preached to got saved. So that's a tremendous, it hadn't always been that way. And maybe sometimes it's even been better. But let's look at this thing called leprosy, why it was such a horrible thing. First of all, leprosy is a state of living death. If you have leprosy, you are basically just walking around a dead man carrying his own carcass. That's what he is. He's discolored in his skin. He loses sensation. And he's ulcerated and they're spreading all over his body. The fingers and the toes and the nose just atrophy. They, they waste away and vision is impaired and sometimes blindness and many results. As one has said, the leper is nothing but a walking sepulcher. That's a state of spiritual death. Ephesians 4.18 said, before we got saved, we were alienated from the life of God. You remember in the passage of 1 Timothy said, she being dead, she being dead, now liveth. You see, all this is is a lost person. Leprosy represented a lost person. It was a state of living death. Do you have leprosy of the soul tonight? Do you have leprosy of the heart tonight? Oh, it's incurable without the blood of Jesus. 
And the second thing about <clears throat> it's isolating, but secondly, uh, it is to be isolated. Leprosy was dealt with by banishment. In other words, if you had leprosy, you could not come near people. In fact, the Bible says they had to put a white cloth upon their lips and they had to run through the city and, and they had to cry that they were a leper so that there would no be mistake about who they were. They were to be identified properly. So no longer was not was it just an isolating, it was also isolated in the uh, it's a visible sign, I believe, of God's regards the sinner. You see, sin shuts you out from the presence of God. Number three, leprosy makes its victim an object of shame. I do not have to elaborate on that because you know exactly what I'm talking about. The law specified that his clothes shall be rent his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry unclean, unclean. In Luke, uh, Leviticus chapter 13, verse number 45. There's a fourth one here, and that is it's incurable. Leprosy was incurable so far as the Old Testament was concerned. So far as the society of the Old Testament was concerned, it was incurable. If you contacted leprosy and you had leprosy in your body it would eat you into basically a mush and you would just die I know that sounds horrible but sin is incurable as far as the law is concerned you see pronounce the curse it's amazing that we're pretty good at that but we don't know how to pronounce the cure. Folks, listen, we must pronounce the, core, the curse because folks need to know what they are and where they're going. But we also must make sure that we never close a meeting like this or any other time when we don't present the cure. We have to do that. Folks, when, when, we, when we have living death walking among us, we have isolated people walking among us, when we had incurable people walking among us, we ought to know the cure. I don't just show up here at Hillcrest Baptist Church to hear preaching and singing. They come here, many people come here looking for a cure. A cure. But let me give you another thing about leprosy. Leprosy spreads rapidly, rapidly. Uh, it starts as little white spots, and then it starts to ooze, and the um, next thing you know, the whole body is corrupt, so it spreads rapidly. I'll not be as graphic as I could tonight, but it's just uh, deadly, uh, rapid as it it takes over our bodies. There's another reason. Leprosy is highly infectious. Highly infectious. It is inherited in, inwardly, the best that we can tell, but it's also contagious outwardly. I've seen a few lepers in my time, 
And I'm going to tell you something. It is a sad sight to see a leper. If you've never seen a leper, uh, it'll break your heart when you see them. But you cannot go near them. Because if you go near them before long, it doesn't matter. You're like them. That ought to speak to us. Amen. If leprosy is a form of sin, and the Bible says sin, that uh, it ought to be unleavened. We ought not to keep any company with those who live certain lifestyles. I'd say this is one of them, wouldn't you? Leprosy pictures the very fact that it is highly infectious. It's a malady which is not only inherited by nature, but is developed by the association of the wicked. Another reason that leprosy is so horrible is leprosy is peculiarly loathsome. There is nothing more repulsive to look at than a leper. I saw several in Africa. I saw them in the jungle. I would go, we was going from hut to hut and trying to, to lead folks to Christ. And there outside and up on the very corner of that hut, I seen the pitiful specimen of a, a, a lady, I think, I think she was a lady, black, to, uh, dressed in toad black, but with a, uh, something over her face to identify herself. You could not even see her face as she sat there in the corner of that tent, rotting away. It was a sad thing. You want to help them. You want to do something. In fact, if you'll notice in the Bible, nobody would touch a leper, but Jesus did. Amazing? Jesus did. He did what others wouldn't do because he knew what he could do for them others couldn't do. And so he touched the lepers. So uh, the main thing is that we understand that leprosy is incurable. Were y'all with me tonight? So when I tell you all these thoughts about leprosy, I want you to move into our story tonight and, and, and just get three or four points, and we will uh, go, y'all can go to Cracker Barrel or Shoney's, wherever you want to go. Just don't go to that big old burrito place down there. it give you heartburn, nearly kill you. Chris Smith's got a stomach like cast iron, and Shane ain't too far behind him. They asked me where we're going to go to eat. That's well, I said, I don't know where we're going to go, but we ain't going there. So, <laughs> Brother Steve's had some problems there too. But let's look, let's look at this thing, the cast of the story first. First of all, we have a mighty man, Naaman, verse number one. He's a captain. He's honorable. He had won many battles. He was a very decorated soldier with the medals of valor hanging about his neck. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sick of Obama hanging a medal of, of valor around people who've never done nothing. That used to be a prize award. Not anymore. It's given to every liberal creep that can get to the White House. 
Forgive me for using that creep word. I know you don't want your children to do it. But the mighty man, even with all of his victories, with all of his awards, he was a leper. Nothing about who he was changed what he was. Y'all with me? Now, let's look at the second person there. Is this, this man lay in a hopeless condition, even though he was high in social position, he, he was uh, um, in a hopeless condition. You see, they wouldn't have had this man still around if he wasn't some sort of really mighty man. But then secondly, we see a little maid. Verse number two, she was one of those who had been stolen, brought her in for capti- into captivity. We don't even know her name. Jesus doesn't tell her. Tell us. She was a slave girl. We know that. That meant that she cooked and she cleaned and she served and, and she, and she uh, sewed and she weaved and she did all those kinds of things around the house. But she was evidently, Naaman had been a man who was good to her in some way because she was worried She was actually frantically worried about Naaman. So she spoke up and said to the person who would get Naaman's attention the most, his wife. When your wife learns something, she'll get your attention. And so he gave it to her, his wife. And so uh, the third thing we have is a godly messenger. Verse number three, his name is Elisha. Now, Elisha was a hero to this young lady. She didn't want her boss to die. She didn't want her boss to die, but she not only that, didn't want her boss to die lost. And yet, back home, she said, I know somebody I know somebody, if you'll let him go to him, he'll know exactly what to do. He'll know exactly. Here's what she's saying. If you'll just get him to my preacher, just get him to my preacher, just get him to my preacher, he'll know what to do. Well, wouldn't that be great? If just folks just lined up and you met met them every day and they said man I got a problem and you said well let's go to the preacher and sit with me on Sunday and let him tell us the answer to it because you'll never leave this building until we offer a cure for it that's one thing this church is built on it'll stay built on until y'all are building over me number four we see a cowardly monarch Verses 4 through 8. The king of Syria sent out a letter to the king of Samaria, and he said, Naaman is on the way for you to heal him. Now, how would you like to get a letter like that tomorrow? I've got this really highly decorated soldier, great military man. Uh, He's been a brutal killer. He's helped us win many victories. But yet he has leprosy. 
And he's coming to see you to heal him. If that had happened to most preachers, we'd have cried. I'd have cried. God, I can't heal him. I can't do anything for him. But look, look what happens here. This scared the king to death so much he starts tearing his clothes and going into hysterics. But Elisha said, just keep your shirt on, king. <laughs> Not just a play on words. Just keep your shirt on. He said, I'm going to take care of it. King, you just sitting there on your throne. King, you just sitting in there and you, you can tear your clothes more and you can put sack off and ashes on your head. But king, just keep your shirt on. I got this. Y'all with me? So this little girl knew more than both of these kings. A little girl, probably a teenage girl, young teenage girl, knew more than both of these kings about the need of this man. The king of Syria and the king of Israel, both she knew that Elisha had the answer. That little girl knew more than both of these kings about the me medical condition of the man. And I will say this tonight, I, I don't care what they come up with as far as insurance, but I sure hope they come up with something that keeps me from paying $40,000 a year. I, I hope they come up with something that keeps you from paying $40,000 a year and $30,000 because of your percentages and you're out and out. And have you ever noticed, I, I asked them one other, I called the other day, and, and this, I don't know who the company was, uh, where the doctors was from, uh, but they had this group, and, and uh, they sent me out a bill for my anesthesia. And it was for my wife's anesthesia. And, and so they was going to do surgery on her, and so they sent me a bill, and I called, and I said, why did you pay the rest of it, but you wouldn't pay that? Well, that was out of network. I said, well, what do you want me to do? Wake up right in the middle of surgery and say, hey, are you in network? I didn't know whether it's in network or not. And listen, folks, we need to know somebody knows something. And Elisha, this little maid said, he knows something. And by the way, I got news for you. The government cannot cure your ills or your bills. Get it down. The school system can't cure your ills. You know why some parents like school? Just gets them off their hands for the day. Your desire ought to be to work to your family and squeeze your family down a little tighter and then lower your family down a little lower till you get to the place to where you can stay home with those little children. It may never happen, but that ought to be your goal. And so... She knew a great deal. I'll tell you something else. The social system cannot cure our ills. You see, we, we think we can fix up a, a crime-laden neighborhood by starting a basketball league at night. 
Well, that's a real smart idea. You got one gang playing another gang. Now, guess what that's going to turn into? And that's the way I, that's, that, that's the loose, ridiculous, plumb stupid kind of thinking we have in our country. When a little girl knows better than that, our little girls here know better than that. Our teenagers know better than that. Our young adults know better than that. Friend, listen to me. We need to make sure that there's only one cure and we know who he is and Elisha had the cure. And when we learn that our answers and hope doesn't come by going about it man's way, it comes by going about it God's way. Even a little girl knew this. I like it. I, I love it when I hear testimonies and I, I know what's going on around most of the buildings. Some of you don't think I do, but I do. And I, I, our children love to come to Sunday school. They love to come to Awana. They, they, they love to come to children's choir. They, 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 they love the Word of God being sung or being taught as they learn at that tender age all the way up to that mm, shaky age in teenagers. And I'll tell you something, if you moms and dads, uh, you say, not me, well, uh, whoever the cream of the crop, I know you wouldn't do that. But if you moms and dads didn't take them away for church, they'd never leave church. I could, I could write a list right here on my funeral report here, and I could just write family after family down. whose kids know more about God than they do, but instead, the parents took the kids away from God because their children knew the cure and they didn't want to be healed. I don't know where I'm getting to you or not, but listen to me. I got 10 minutes. I want you to look at the cure of this sickness. First of all, the remedy in verse 9 through 10. Elisha said, tell him to go to wash in Jordan seven times and he'll be cleansed of this leprosy. What a procession that must have been. Well, first of all, he argued about it because they had cleaner rivers than he had. they had. Why in the world didn't he let him go to the Tigris or one of those other tremendous rivers? And, and, and instead, he wanted to go to Jordan River. The Jordan River was dirty, as it, especially as it moved downstream. It, it wasn't all that big today. In some spots, it's not big at all. Other spots, it's larger. But uh, why in the world would he want me to... Go down there, the kind of man I am. But he had a problem. So he said, the king said, you go down there and get healed. Now, when the king said that, and you got a problem, it's a pretty good suggestion. If you don't come back healed, you will be killed. So, why, that insulted his intelligence when he got there. And Naaman said, go wash seven times in the river. 
Who you think I am? Don't you know who I am? That insults my intelligence that you should ask me to do such a thing. But that little girl would have done it. That little girl would have done it because her hero knew the cure. Y'all with me? You see, it, it, there was a remedy and then there was a rejection. God is not interested nor impressed with who you are or what you've done. If anyone meets Jesus Christ, they must all come like this little girl. Humble themselves as a little child and in repentance trust Jesus Christ. That little girl would. We get to the New Testament, Jesus said the children would. Today, many folks are insulted by the call of God to an old rugged cross. They say, surely God could come up a better way than that. I like it where you swing incense and we've got big cathedrals and it's really kind of a fancy kind of deal. But let me tell you something. God didn't come up with that. Man did. It's not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. Today, many folks are insulted, though, by the cross did you know many folks are insulted by, insulted by one way to heaven? And that way being through Jesus Christ, you probably go to school with them or you're, uh, teen, you teenagers and even you children, you go to school with people and their parents are Muslim or their parents are Indian to where no, no telling what their God is and they have a totally different belief system not even close to where we are and all of it heresy compared to the word of God and, and listen we've got to know the cure if we don't pour it in our kids when they're small and live it out where they can see when they get old enough they'll think fooey on this stuff fooey on this stuff today many folks are insulted by the things that could save them. Now, I'm just about done. Uh, instead, they were to do something. He, he thought he could accomplish something. He could, see, I brought all this stuff for you. I mean, can't you heal me because I brought all this stuff for you? No, go dip seven times in Jordan. He refused to do it again. Well, finally, he refused, and his soldiers gathered around him and said, I'm sure they gathered at a distance around that leper and said, listen, you might as well do what he said. Nothing's worked so far. Nobody has an answer for you. You've searched high and low. You've, uh, you, you, you first, you searched far and high. Everywhere you can go, you have tried to find a cure. Nobody has a cure. What is it going to hurt you to humble yourself enough to go and dip in the Jordan seven times? What can you lose? So... He finally gets off down there. In Psalm 119, verse 99 and 100 said, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. And I understand more than the ancients when I keep thy people. Folks, there's a lot of our young people who knows a whole lot more about the cure 
and we do. Some of us had in, we had in, rather enjoy the spiritual cancer as to receive the spiritual cure. Mm. Here's the last thing I'm done. I said that four times. I, I was told in Bible school you could set up to five and count. Number three, the conversion of this Syrian is in verses 15 through 18. Verse 15, there was assurance. I want you to just, just look at it. Verse 15, there was assurance. Do you see it? And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know. Now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, as the Lord liveth for whom I stand, I'll receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Naaman wouldn't take any pay. He could have. Maybe he maybe even should have, but he didn't. You know why? Because he didn't want any pagan foreign nation to go and say, they'll take care of you down there in Israel, but you've got to pay them a lot to do it. He wouldn't take a thing. Hmm. Second thing is when you're converted, not only do you have assurance, 1 John 5, verse 12 and 13, and 2 Timothy verse, chapter 1, verse 12, if you want some verses for that assurance. For I know whom I believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have. You believe that? The second thing is generosity. Notice what he wanted to do when he got saved. Give him something. I, I even remember a guy getting saved since I've been here as pastor. I'm not going to call the names just to protect the innocent. But he told me, he said, I'm going to get saved, but I don't believe in tithing. I said, when you get saved, you will. And sure enough, when God finally broke through to his life, he was saved. He became generous. The last thing is dedication. There'll be a new hatred for sin and a new loyalty to Jesus. You love the church and you won't care if it's public, private, or wherever we meet. You just love the church. You love getting with God's people. You'll love hearing preaching, for it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, if that pleases God, let's don't quit doing it. So tonight, some of you got a problem. It's not a problem that can't be cured. 